the view from the top is always worth the climb. Hey, Matt Smith here, all or nothing in real estate. We got a very, very special episode for you today. I was fortunate and blessed to be in one of the most elite rooms that I've ever been in. My very first time in beautiful Calgary, Alberta, Canada for a Cheplak Live Mastermind. If you guys have followed John Cheplak at all, if you're in the real estate industry and you have a breath, you know who he is. He is the example, the best real estate leadership coach on the planet. And this is a room full of his elite coaches. And I was honored and privileged not only to be in the room, but I was also asked to share from the stage. So we're gonna let you get a behind the scenes look at that room like you were there, be a fly on the wall. The best leaders on the planet were in that room. They were taking notes and you're gonna be able to hear the speech that I delivered. So hopefully it can help you deliver in your business. The important thing though is don't be sitting here. Like, you know the most, the biggest mistake you're gonna to make today is letting your ego get in the way of asking a question that you need answered. That is the biggest mistake you're going to make of looking stupid. And you may say, oh, no, that doesn't happen in these groups. It's worse in these groups. It's worse in these groups. Because I don't care how high level. You, you want to know what's very, very interesting is, is that there's such a high regard and uh, such a high level of respect that you all have for one another that there's this concern of, oh, my gosh, I'm asking a dumb question. I'm asking a dumb question. And, and I'm going to tell you something. There is, and you heard it you know, way back in grade school, there is not a dumb question. Because you want to know what happens too a lot of times is, and it's cliche that I say it over the time, you don't need to learn more, you need to be reminded more. Someone's going to hear something and go, oh my gosh, I've got to go back to that. I got to go back to that. I got to go back to that. Where there's that one subtlety. I mean, I've been doing this thing for 35 years, the real estate thing for 35 years. And the cliff conversation has done really, really well, really well. I was taught the cliff conversation back in 1995 and I used it with with regional managers, used it with branch managers. I used it with chief operating officers. I used it with employees. Many of my clients have used it for years and years and years. And just that one subtlety at the end, instead of, you know, where he's asking, what do you think I'm going to have to do if you don't do it? Versus where I said, and if you don't do it, then our relationship's going in a different direction. Just that subtlety. And I know language really, really well. So here I am, someone that's taught it, has used it, it's worked, but there's just, there's always just a little tiny hinge that swings the big ass doors wide open. Uh, this gentleman, um, Mr. Smith, I'll give a little bit, but he'll give a lot as far as background is concerned, uh, operates in a small town. I love, I love the, yeah, but John, it's different. It's a small town. We're a small town. Good. Take more than your fair share. I mean, it's really, really simple, and, and he's proven that. So um, he's a, a real, you know what I love about him? He's got that abundant, contributing spirit, um, operates a really, really good business. Um, and I think the one thing, all of us at different varying levels, his, and, and, it's, and it's interesting because people come into coaching and, you know, then later on, they'll open up about some things and be like, oh, well, why didn't you tell John that a long time ago? Or why didn't you bring this up? And this happens across the board. Like, you know, gosh, 80 to 90% of coaching calls will include something personal that's going on. Because here's, let me tell you the problem. 
that you might be making with leadership. And it's the thing that we're all go with people too. Like if I don't know what's going on, if there's something going on, and I don't care where you're at, every single one of you are going through a season in life or you're on the backside of a season in life of something that didn't feel good, a drama or a trauma. We all go through them. We all go through them, okay? But the thing to look at in leadership, and that's why I asked that one question, you guys. The one question to ask an agent when you're sitting down with them and, and you're getting to that spot of whether it's cliff conversation or this or that, and you just go, hey, Daryl, can I go a little bit further with you? Is there anything else that might be going on in your life that I'm not aware of that could be having an impact on all of this? And you'll see people break down and my, my husband just left me. My wife just left me. My mom just died. My this, my that. And what's going to happen is you're going to feel really good and really bad. You're going to feel really bad that you didn't go there sooner. But I don't know that you'll feel bad because people are going to come forward when they're ready. Okay. And that's where we constantly have to work on being approachable. We have to constantly be approachable. Okay. And so what's really, really good though, is when they can open up at that level, you, oh, I didn't come into this thing to be a counselor. Well, you better find a better job then or a different one. I mean, if you don't, you know, the, the most important for each and every one of you, the most important training, if I'm looking at all the trainings you can get, do you want the most important training you can get? Anything that's going to support your emotional intelligence, your emotional maturity, period. Period. Because you don't manage a business. You manage human beings. You're in the human resource, human development, human attraction, human behavior business. End of discussion. And until you, I mean, and that is, that is something to constantly be mastering. And then you have to learn too in doing that, how much time to not spend in trying to figure out what someone's thinking. Because when you do that, guess who ends up insane? You, not the other person. I mean, don't spend too much time in that space. That's why, watch this. That right there defines the difference between leading in personality versus principle. You know, you go back to Frank's. What Frank's father shared with him years ago, it was a principle. That's a, it's constant, right? And it doesn't mean Frank's life's been easy and Frank hasn't gone through tough things, but Frank has that North Star to come back to right? Unwavering. And he can ask himself, is this in the best interest of everyone? 100% it is. Because you want to know what happens when we become, when we are that person that wants to rescue everyone, guess what you are when you're rescuing? You're a manipulator. Take a look at, understand, study codependency. It'll make you a better leader. It will help you understand boundaries. Because you want to know what a codependent does, and, and you may have levels of it. And you know what a codependent does? A codependent comes in a room and looks for someone to manipulate. Let me tell you what I mean by manipulate. Someone to rescue for their personal high. They're an experience junkie. Instead of, and, and it's like, let me rescue that person. Let me rescue this person. Let me rescue that person. And rescuing someone never grew them. Ever. I'm a great example of it. People tried and tried to rescue me, but when everyone finally just said, guess what? You're on your own. And I started picking up the phone and no one would answer. I got to sit with myself and I get to stand here because there were people around me, stand here literally with my breath because there were people around me that stood by the, my brother, 
my little brother, who called everyone around me who was rescuing me and said to them, if you take his calls once more, I'm going to blame you graveside, at, at the jail visitation, or at the institution. It's going to be your fault. Because you continue to give the person permission to behave that way by continuing to take their calls. There comes a point where people have to commit. With that said, um, that's not the extreme of where Matt Smith's life is at. But here's what I will say. If you take a look at when you hear about these businesses, no matter what level someone shares it, I can promise you this. The people that are having success in their business over a sustained period of time are, and I didn't say they arrived. I didn't say they're perfect. But I'm going to tell you one thing that they are 100% committed to is their personal development. And Matt is equally committed to, I've worked with him for around three years or so. I don't know. It's a long time. Um, that's the one thing he's always focused on. And I'll tell you, always see that correlation. You may see people do good for a little bit and their life's a shit show. I promise you just it, something will go, it'll unwind. It'll, it, it's a matter of time. It'll unwind. But if you look at the people that sustain growth, it's that personal development. Matt Smith's one of those. He's going to talk to you about how he's done so well, um, in his business and impacting other lives. So Matt Smith, take it away. <laughs> Awesome. You guys got energy after lunch? Or are we all tired? I'm gonna, I, I can ask one more time. We have energy after lunch? There we go. All right, let's have some fun with this. Um, so I want to start by, um, I'm going to confess, this is my first time in Canada. I've learned two things so far. Number one, I'm going to go back and I'm going to take these lessons back to the States. You guys call it the States, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to take these lessons back to the States. And lesson number one is that everything in Canada looks like Lake Louise to me. Um, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been on, uh, been to. So I'm still just like blown away. And lesson number two, Justin Haver taught me. Not everyone in Canada lives in an igloo. So now I know <laughs> I can take that back. Um, so guys, I want to share some, some stuff with you today. Um, I'm gonna go back to the mountain. Who was on the mountain with us? It was beautiful, wasn't it? What an amazing experience. Um, when we got to the top of the mountain, I was, just, I was just soaking it all in and I wanted to make a social media post. And so I got out, I took a picture. A lot of you took pictures at the top at the summit as well. And um, I was just thinking, and there's so many thoughts running through my head. And I typed and then I deleted. I typed and I deleted. Went back and forth, back and forth. And I just summarized it. And I just made a post, very blanket statement. The, climb, the view from the top is always worth the climb. And I think that's so parallel in so many areas of life. I know a lot of you, um, including myself, when we were climbing, it wasn't always easy, right? Like we stopped, we took breaks, beautiful views. But once you got to the top, it was worth it, right? So I'm not saying that I've made it to the top or anything, but maybe you're going through something right now. And that's just a great analogy I wanted to share, a realization that I had that when you're going through it, wait till you get to the top and imagine what that view is going to look like for your life. So when I have the opportunity to share stages and talk uh, to groups of people, I typically go to mindset, mental toughness, leadership. Those are like passions for me. Those are what has resulted into the little bit of success that I've been able to accomplish in my life. Um, but I was thinking after having great discussions with you guys on the mountain, after hearing the room yesterday, I adjusted. I'm going to pivot. And because of the brilliance in this room, I'm going to go super tactical. And I'm going to go super in depth 
on what I believe is a problem that we all have. And hopefully I can help solve it for each and every one of you. So as I was thinking and brainstorming, what's a problem that a room of these elite people maybe have in common? Anyone want to share? What do you guys think is a problem that we all have in common in here, in the real estate industry, the market today specifically? Getting the agents to do the work, that's always, that's not this market, that's any market, right? But yes, what else? Getting listings, it's interesting. Anyone else experiencing low inventory? Yeah? Only two people, come on. Low inventory? Yeah, very cool, awesome. So that's exactly what I'm gonna talk with you about today um, is how to get more listings. Um, I don't believe in theory, I believe in proven. And so this has been proven in my organization, and it's also been proven through some people that I'm fortunate enough to coach. Um, and it's had tremendous impacts in their market, despite what's going on in the market. So I'm going to break down four proven steps on how we doubled our listing appointments met month over month. Second, um, you guys, I don't know if you're familiar with the platform Sisu, um, but a lot of top teams use it, a lot of top agents use it, tracks KPIs, transaction management, et cetera. Um, our team was actually number one in all of CSU for listing appointments met last month. You guys want me to break down that process of how we did that? Yeah. Okay. Um, I have another slide here. I guess I need to tell you who I am. Um, so I've shared some of these stages before, and uh, some of you that maybe were at Tahoe heard um, some of my journey, my story, but grew my team from working out of my basement. I've had to start my speaking of the journeys worth the or the views worth the climb. Um, I've had to start my real estate business over from absolute zero twice. Hundreds of thousands of dollars stolen from me. I've had to take my six week old baby into the hospital to tell my wife, her mom, goodbye. She made it through, but I've went through some things. The view from the top, I'm glad all of it happened. I would not be here today if it didn't. And so I share that with you to say that one of those times I started my business over. I started from my basement. My broker kicked me out, had 97 listing signs in the yard. He said, oh, by the way, those are mine because I own them in the state of Missouri. And so don't call them. I will sue you. Real estate commissioner, he, he wasn't lying. Um, it all came. Um, and I grew up from working out of my basement to number one team in the state of Missouri and number eight in the nation, according to Real Trends. Been fortunate to be Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies multiple times. I'm privileged and honored to be a Chef Black Live coach. Um, it's a becoming to find that that's a passion of mine. I truly enjoy having those higher level conversations, helping other people grow their businesses. We have three locations in Missouri. Um, one of them is the, you guys seen the Netflix show Ozarks, Ozark? So one of our new offices, Lake of the Ozarks, it's absolutely nothing like the show. Um, just like all Canadians live in igloos, Ozark is nothing like what you see in the show. Um, but that's one of our new offices. We have 42 agents currently. Um, I have an all or nothing or real estate brand podcast that I started, just another way to give back. And most importantly, um, I'm a husband and my favorite job title in the world is being a dad to two beautiful little girls. So um, it's like I can read minds. I, I assumed everyone was struggling with listing inventory, right? So I'm gonna break down a process for you. Um, I don't believe in gatekeeping. I believe in contribution. I believe in abundance. And that's why you guys are all here in this room too. You guys believe in it as well. So I'm gonna break down the exact process. Um, there's gonna be tactical takeaways, documents you guys can take um, that uh, I'm gonna to give to Tim to email out with all of this. So you guys have copies of it on how we doubled our, our appointments met. Our appointments met total and our listing appointments met both. We doubled month over month. So um, 
I don't know if that's metrics that you guys track, but when you're talking about a buyer's appointment met, sometimes that can be Zoom. Sometimes that can be, um, there's some, uh, it's not always face-to-face. -face. Listing appointment, it's hard to have a listing appointment unless you're at that person's house, right? So this is a true metric where we're able to double that. Here's a screenshot out of 45,851 agents in the CSU platform, which to me, if they're gonna take the time to track their KPIs, um, it's a pretty high performing team or individual. We were number one in all the platform and listing appointments met last month. Here's just a graph to show you. Um, we had 117 appointments met in April and in May, 257. So well over double. I'm gonna break down how we, how we actually did that. So step number one, you have to narrow your focus. Sounds simple. You guys are all high performing team leaders in this room. Tell me all the things that are wrong with your business or you want to improve. We could go all day, right? Real estate tends to be a dumpster fire. There's so many things, so many problems that we have. And what I have observed about myself and about other people that are in rooms like this is that just because um, we can accomplish more than maybe the average person at times, we think that we always have to be the superhero. We can do everything at once. When everything becomes the focus, nothing is the focus. We do a half-assed job at everything and kind of keep it going, right? We're trying to spin too many plates. And so I believe that focus is a superpower. So what we did is we found, identified a gap. We identified a gap. And this story um, is kind of counterintuitive because um, the same focus doesn't stay focused all year long. So our previous focus to carry this over so the story makes more sense was on appointment set. But when you set appointments, it also helps you meet more appointments, right? So it carried over. Um, but for this focus, everything was around appointments met. One of the things that really helped us meet more is because our focus previously was on set, setting appointments. We were able to set 171 appointments in a four-day time span. I have 42 agents. Less than half of them participated. You do the math. I'm going to break down that process for you as well and share that with everyone on exactly how we did that. And again, like I said, we doubled our appointments met. I love quotes, I'm visual. Um, and so I love quotes because it helps me remember and retain information. And so I was doing a podcast episode. I was talking about a topic of zone in on something, tunnel vision, and how you can really use that to as a superpower in your business. And I was having a conversation with someone on my podcast and it just came to me and I've looked it up. Um, no one else has said this quote that I've ever found. So I'm claiming it as mine. Um, but when you narrow your focus, you expand your potential. Sounds counterintuitive. You think if you want to do more, you want more potential, you have, to, you have to do more things. I found the exact opposite to be true. You become a master at what your focus is. When you narrow your focus, you expand your potential. Has anyone ever seen the movie Biker Boys? It's an old movie. It's not a very good one, but um, it, it's a great analogy. Um, so I'll give you a quick background of Biker Boys. So it's, uh, it's like the race in motorcycles, um, and it comes to the very end of the movie. And there's a guy that's always been on top, that's always the best bike racer. And his gift on why he's winning is it shows it as a visual. When he's racing, he has tunnel vision. Everything disappears except for the finish line. That's why he wins. And he, he's been the champion for year after year after year. Well, his son in the story is racing him for the title, yada, yada, yada. And this race, I guess it's hereditary, this gift, whatever he had, his son grabs it too. And all of a sudden, he sees the same tunnel. They're in a field, nothing else. Everything else disappears except for the finish line. He focused on one thing and he took over the title and 
Now he's the best racer in the world, whatever that title was. But it, it's a great analogy to show when you just focus on one thing, you can be the best in the world at that one thing. So what did we focus on? Absolutely everything. Um, so a little bit of cadence about how I run my organization is we do uh, scripting, we do role plays, we do huddles, we do trainings, we do team meetings, just the normal stuff, right? Um, and what I've caught myself doing is, you guys uh, read the book, uh, Four Disciplines of Execution, 4DX? Heard of Whiplash? I'm the chief center of Whiplash. Hey, today we're going to talk about buyers, tomorrow we're going to talk about sellers, then we're going to talk about loans, then we're all over the place, day after day, just moving back and forth. What I found is if you just focus everything on one thing, it moves the needle massively for your organization. So all of our scripts, all of our role plays, all of our huddles, all of our trainings were on one singular focus. And that was how do we meet with more people? We're in the people business. I call it getting belly button to belly button. You get belly button to belly button with more buyers and sellers, you're going to sell more real estate. You can't help it. So every single focus was around how do we meet more people? Um, now, don't get me wrong. And like, so as an example, in a huddle, we would talk about um, the first question was, how many people did you meet yesterday? What's your plan to meet people today? That was what we huddled about. Now, we had other problems, other things that got in the way. Sure, we discussed it, but it wasn't a focus, right? We didn't ignore the rest of the business. It just wasn't what we focused on and what we tried to really improve. Um, this was super helpful too. Um, call cadence, text templates, email templates, and time blocking. So this is specifically for appointments met. When we're setting all those appointments, what I found is the more appointments we set, the bigger the gap got between more people ghosting us and not showing up. So we're going to focus on, we know how to set them now. How do we get them to actually show up? Otherwise, why do we set it? And so we developed call cadences and proven processes that were so easy and so simple that everyone could follow it. Meaning that there was no, I didn't let, leave any room for error. When you set an appointment, say you set an appointment with a buyer or a seller, our CRM pings you to do this, this, and this, follow boss, exactly at the right time. You set it for two days from now, in 24 hours prior to the appointment, you're going to get a video text. Here's the exact script that you say, and you send this video text through follow boss. It's like, I'm calling to confirm, right? But don't ever call to confirm. That's weak language. It's not good sales tactic. Don't call to confirm. Don't call to follow up. Here's a, I'll give you a simple script of how it goes. Hey, Justin, Matt Smith here. Super excited to meet with you and your family. I know this is the first home. You're new to the area. I cannot wait to meet with you and help you find that three-bedroom home that you've always dreamed of. I'll see you tomorrow too. That's it. You want our show, our show up rate? Like almost doubled when we started implementing that. You think it's easy or hard for me to get agents to do video text now? It's easy. They saw the results. But I had to break it down kindergarten style for them to accomplish it, Right? We created text templates for it, email templates, and it's guess what it's called? Um, I don't really know, my COO does, but uh, something to the effect of um, appointment, uh, appointment set text, right? And everyone sends the same exact thing every single time. It's done automatically. So my point on that is every, absolutely every focus was around one thing. We identified the gaps. Our listing inventory is down in our market about 25%. Our market as a whole is down 25 to 30%, depending on the month. My company is up 12%. So we're absolutely destroying the market. We've got more momentum this month. Month of June is going to be the best month in the, in the his, history of our company, despite our market being down 25%. And I think it's really important to note that sometimes, well, I had a conversation with a gentleman yesterday. We were talking about being obsessed. Um, and when someone calls me obsessed, I say, thank you. 
Like, why, why, when did becoming obsessed become a bad thing? Right? Why is that a bad thing? Got this from my uh, good friend, Coach Bill Pipes, is he says, if someone obsesses a word, the lazy, used to describe the dedicated. So I'm obsessed with selling more real estate. I'm obsessed with helping more people accomplish their goals, hopes, dreams, and desires. You're damn right I am. Thank you. It's a good thing, right? So my obsessive personality, after we achieved this success of these listing appointments met being doubled, number one, all of CSU, I wasn't satisfied. I took five more agents and said, you are now listing agents. Let's go really move the needle. Everyone else is like, how do we get listings? What are we going to do? I doubled down. I need hunters. We got to get face-to-face, belly button to belly button with more homeowners who are eventually going to become sellers. So I did that just last week. So lesson there that I think we can all learn from is don't settle for good is the enemy of great, right? So, hey, we had a good month. We had a good month of listing appointments met. So we're going we're gonna to slow down or we're going to use that as a building block to grow on. Um, imagine this, imagine if you were number one in your marketplace, you doubled your listing appointments met your market listing market is down 25%. All of your KPIs showed that your listing inventory is getting ready to skyrocket through the roof. And then you double the amount of bodies that are responsible for getting listings. What is your business going to look like in 90 days, 180 days from now? It's going to be massive. Like I literally got goosebumps thinking about it. Because that's, that's reality for me. And it can be for you guys too. Um, one other thing, when it was our focus, is how do we get seller lead sources? Preston's great at getting leads. Seller, how much are seller leads compared to buyer leads, Preston? Five times the cost? Five times the cost. Costs a lot of money. They're not very high intent either as seller leads for online, right? So find ways to get creative. Um, my good buddy, Ryan Young, I don't think fellows available in Canada yet, but if it ever becomes available, go do it. It's been amazing for us. Absolute game changer. If you, huh? Yeah. I'll let you tell him. Um, but yeah, so if, if, if it's not, so if you don't have access to fellow, it doesn't have to be fellow, right? Like it's a great system and software, but find something that's home valuations for all your database. Every single person in this room has a massive database. Guess what those people do? Everybody in your database, most people in your database, what do they own? A home. Every homeowner is eventually a what? A seller. What system do you have running in the background that is providing value, relevant information to all those people, including what their investment has done in their home over the last two, three, four years? To create those hand raisers. And now you get notified when they raise their hand. Massive, massive needle mover. And then you can create action plans, different things around it. So it doesn't have to be fellow. That's a tool we use. Just find a tool that you can use as an opportunity. Instead of going and try, trying to create more seller leads, create seller opportunities. There's a big, big difference, especially with your past clients. Expired campaign. Um, we went all in on this. Um, now expires disappeared again. However, we have it ready for if they do exist, right? And so all in. We have prospecting around it. We have postcards. We have letters. We have personalized stuff. That go, like it's, we went all in on all of these things that we do. Um, speaking of giving someone value for a homeowner, easy CMA process. My listing agents do five of these every single day, in addition to the normal prospecting. Our past clients are, by, so we get strategic, right? And we adjust and move left or right as we need. Um, but in an ideal world, in our market, two to three years. Who are our buyers from two to three years ago? That's our average turn time in one of our markets is the military market. They're there for two to three years. 
What also happened over the last two to three years? The home values go up or down? Up drastically. So they may not know what the value is of their home. So instead of just using a software like Fellow that does it on the background, that's cool to create hand raisers, but let's be proactive. And so let's actually create a CMA for their specific property. Let's take three minutes. Let's create it. Let's send it to them. Let's do a Loom video of us walking through it and text it to them so they make sure that we get it. And then we do a did you get call? And then they're going to say, hey, Matt, my home, I think my home was worth more than that. I painted this bedroom this. I put in the fence. I made this add-on. Oh, I didn't realize. I'm sorry. Let me come out and give you more accurate value. I'm actually going to be in the neighborhood tomorrow at two. Does that work for you? What did I just have? I set a listing appointment, right? They let me into their home. I don't believe what you guys should write this down and share it with your agents. Anytime your agents have a tough time handling objections, I don't believe what people say. I believe what they do. Actions speak louder than words. We've all heard that, right? If a seller, if a homeowner lets you in their home and they know you're a real estate agent, they can tell me all day long they don't want to sell their house. What do they tell me by their actions? They let me, a stranger, into their house. All right. Um, scripts and dialogues, email marketing, videos, market updates, everything was around one thing. Um, I'll get into that a little bit more later. Step number two, unique selling propositions. This is where the needle really moved for us. Unique selling propositions. In a room like this, each and every one of you have tremendous value to provide to your marketplace. Tremendous value. But does your marketplace know what value you provide? And do they know, more importantly, do they know how it can benefit them? Value unarticulated is value unappreciated. One of the things that I struggled with um, until recently when I made it a massive focus is articulating the value that we provide to our buyers and sellers. Articulating it and communicating it so that they can appreciate it. There's another quote that goes along with that. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. So does your value message, your unique selling proposition, does it tell them why that's going to impact them? Every single human being operates on the same radio frequency, WIFM, what's in it for me? Every single value that you have to your client, every single package that you have to your client needs to be around how does it affect them? It's not about you, it's about them. A quick story on that. I remember I had, uh, I was back when I was actually selling, um, went on a listing presentation with a new agent that it came from a different company and I went on a listing presentation. And um, afterwards she said, wow, you do things a little differently. She just came from the number one single agent. She was her assistant um, in our market. And she came to my team. She said, you do things differently than so-and-so. And I said, how so? She's like, well, you actually had a presentation. You talked about them and you never told them once about your stats. You didn't tell them that you sell more than anyone else. I said, no, because it's not about me. It's about them. I'm like, what are you used to? Well, she just brings an MLS sheet and says, I'm the best. You should list with me. And I said, if she was competing against us on this presentation, who do you think would have won? Oh, by far, we would have. It's not about me. It's about how I make them feel. It's a massive difference. Oh, let me go back. I think. There we go. Um, so I skipped ahead too far. Sorry. So like I was thinking too, as I was brainstorming on this, what is something, and this is the interactive part. So I want to hear, what is something that you guys think um, could be a unique selling proposition that a room like this would have in common that everyone in here probably offers the same thing 
And it's so simple. It's something you do religiously when it comes to listings, but you have never potentially never thought about how you can position and package that as a huge value add to your sellers. Anyone have any idea? Instant offer? Maybe. Yeah, that's a good one. What was it? Fix their home. Video, video marketing. Sure. Let me give you this scenario. If I listed, if you listed a house um, 30 days ago because they got a job offer to move to such and such area and that job offer got canceled and they said, we no longer want to sell. Raise your, by show of hands, how, who would let them out of that contract at no fee? No consequence. I thought I was in a room in integrity. Awesome. Um, if not, no judgment. Um, I think that's, that's how we operate our business. What if I told you that that's a huge value add you could have and articulate it? You have to communicate and articulate that value you bring to the marketplace. What about a cancellation guarantee? You can cancel your agreement with me anytime. I don't believe in contracts. I believe in accountability. How many people are hesitant to list because I don't want to be stuck in a contract? You guys ever experienced that? I just handled that. What does John Sheplak say all the time? How do you handle objections? In advance. I don't get that objection. My package got rid of that objection and also creates hand raisers. Um, another thing, um, and I was thinking about this as I was uh, brainstorming, somehow as a team leader, you leaders maybe can uh, relate to this. I used to offer when I, was, when I was presenting, when I was selling, I offered a one-day listing agreement. I had packages, marketing around it. Um, and somehow it disappeared from my organization. Just poof, it's gone. Um, anyone else experienced that? Like this thing just disappears and you don't know where it went? Maybe it's just me. Um, anyway, um, so I'm going to bring it back. And a one-day listing agreement is simply, it's a clause that I put in the listing contract that says that anytime you want to cancel, you can cancel anytime. As long as there's a stipulation, like my lawyer looked it over, as long as there's not an accepted contract on the property, you can cancel anytime. Something to that effect. And so how, I, how do I describe a one-day listing agreement? Well, I don't believe in contracts. I believe in accountability. How I look at our agreement together is that it renews every 24 hours. I'm going to wake up every single day doing everything that I can to earn your business again tomorrow. If at any time you're not happy, just call me. We can cancel anytime. One-day listing agreement. I got rid of the contract objection, right? So communicate and articulate the value that you already bring. Just think about it from that perspective. It doesn't be this new initiative. Think about what you already offer and how can you position and package it appropriately. Um, Worry-free listing program. This has been a game changer. Absolute game changer. Um, I highly recommend you guys R&D if you don't have something like this. All of these will be, Tim will send this out to you guys. I'll give you my exact documents. Go, I believe in contribution. Take it and run with it. So worry-free listing program. What is a worry-free listing program? Well, if you list your home with us, we'll take the stress and worry off your plate. List it worry-free. Number one, we offer flexible commission plans. I don't believe in a one-size-fits-all philosophy. Different clients have different needs. So you get to pick the package that's right, with you, right for you. Number two, you can sell your house while listed with us and you can pay us nothing. If you sell it yourself while listed, you can pay us nothing. Number three, cancel your agreement anytime. I don't believe in contracts. I believe in accountability. And number four, we offer, also offer an instant cash offer. Now, let me take you in depth on these. Behind the scenes, that's the marketing play, right? Flexible commission plans. What does that say? Does that say that I list your house cheaper than anyone else? Does that say that my, I flex down? I flex up. You can pick this premium package or this premium package, whichever one works best for you. But it gets me in the door and it gives me a way to establish authority and value. 
sell yourself while listening and pay us nothing. This is another one that's similar to the, like, if they don't want to sell, you're going to cancel the agreement. I'd be willing to bet most of you do this as well. But you just don't think how you can package it appropriately. Um, so you can articulate and communicate that value. As an example, um, let's say that Frank wants to list his house with me, but Mary Lou is considered buying it. And he says, well, I, I would list with you, but I think my neighbor, Mary Lou, is going to buy it. Would you put an exclusion in that contract and still list the property? It says, if Mary Lou buys, I'll back out of the deal, no problem. Sure. I will too. So I'll sell yourself while listing and pay us nothing. The stipulation is you got to give me the exclusion prior to listing. But I'm marketing the package. Full transparency, don't take these powers and use them for evil. At the table, I give them the actual details of what that is and is not. But it gets me in the room. Right? Make sense? Um, this is the addendum that we use. So this is not my marketing piece. This is actually a contract piece that I tried to make look pretty. Um, but this is the actual addendum that we put as an addendum to our listing contracts. And so our seller actually signs it at the table. And it shows the different packages, what you get with each package. It shows the fees. It shows the options, the flexibility, all of that on one document. And so it becomes a part of our listing agreement. Um, all of our marketing efforts, our listing presentation, our videos, everything that is around listings now have that little, you can see it on, the, on this document here, have that little worry-free listing badge on it. Like that's our brand now. Everything that has to do with listings has that document. That's what we're going to be known for. So how do you come up with your own USPs? Unique selling propositions, unique value propositions. Again, you guys already have a lot of value. Here's how I've done it. What problems do your buyers and sellers have in today's marketplace? Ask your agents. Well, go ahead. A lot of the sellers don't know where they're going to go. Yep. That's the listing. I really want to give you guys the listing, but you know we're not really sure where we want to go and what we can buy. Right? You told me we get five hundred thousand for my house here today, but what can I buy? I want to get a little bigger house. That reminds me, just quick side note, and I'll get back to that. Um, I've almost done this on the billboard and I backed off. Um, one of my unique selling propositions is going to be don't list your home with me unless you want to be homeless. Um, and so I can make a joke there, right? Okay, go like, <laughs> If you list your house with me, you're going to be homeless, Daryl. Um, but anyway, uh, so back to that. It's a great question, Daryl. And a lot of people are running the same thing, right? I can do the scripting, feel found, all that stuff. But here's my solution is we have an exclusive off-market program where we have 50 properties right now that you can have exclusive first access. Let's go take a look at those, Daryl. Really? That sounds good. Right? Like, so I have, a, I have a package for that problem. That problem is an opportunity for me to market and get more business. And you got exclusive listings or your active listings? So they're upcoming listings. So here's another little trick. Don't use these tricks for evil. Use them for good purposes. Um, and upcoming listings um, or exclusive off-market could also be for sub-owners. Could be expireds could be ones that you have that you're working on. It could be people that you met with that Absolutely. would consider selling. But that's stuff that you have access to that you, you hold the keys to that you can show them as value. But most people don't articulate that value right. Um, so any problems that you have with buyers and sellers, here's something that I'm doing right now in my business. Um, we have a spreadsheet going around and uh, my, my pod leaders, squad leaders, um, whatever you want to call them, little team leaders um, inside of my team are, are enforcing this with the agents. Anytime that an agent has a valid conversation with a prospect, a valid conversation means over one minute in the system, they have a valid conversation and they did not set an appointment. They are required to put a reason in the spreadsheet. I don't call it objections. 
I, I say it because then they overthink it and it has to be this big, long thing. What was the, what got in the way of your objective? Why did you call them to set an appointment? So what got in the way? And then if it's something that's already exists on the spreadsheet, you got a little check mark. Guess what my videos are? Guess what my unique selling propositions around? Guess what all my content is? Guess what I put in my newsletters? Guess what I mentioned in my market updates? I'm reading their mail. Jeb says it all the time. I want to know what my buyers and sellers are thinking. What are they saying? What is keeping them from buying or selling real estate? I need to know so that I can help solve that problem. I can be out front. Then we develop scripts around it. We develop video content around it. Your problems that your buyers and sellers are experiencing aren't problems. They're opportunities. You just got to flip the script. So what problems do your buyers have? What problems do your sellers have? What solutions can you offer? Risk reversal is a huge one. Buyers and sellers are afraid to make decisions because of the risk. There's a risk of putting their home on the market. There's a risk of buying a house. There's a risk of what if. What if you can create a package to remove that risk and put it back on you? I don't want to list my home because I don't want to be tied to a contract. Well, you can cancel anytime. I just remove that risk. I don't want to sign this buyer's agency agreement. I don't know if they're relevant in your marketplace, but I don't want to sign this buyer's agency agreement because what if I decide not to buy a house? Or what if you don't do your job and I don't want to work with you anymore? I have an addendum to my buyer's agency contract. That's a cancellation guarantee. I, here's my commit, I have a commitment form and a cancellation guarantee. Here's my commitment to you. And if at any time I don't abide by these commitments, we'll cancel this agreement anytime. I don't want to hold you to a contract. I want to provide you value. So turn those into packages, offer and promote them. I think that we underestimate the value of putting the worry, like a worry-free listing program together or a cancellation guarantee or a one-day listing agreement together, putting it in a package, having a name for it and being obsessed with that one package has massive results for your agents so that they can communicate that to the clients and also on the clients. So market around packages and offers, flyers, social media, videos, reels, role plays, postcards, email blast, everything around that one package. As an example, I go back, I use follow-up boss and so it records the calls and I audit seller conversations if, and I, if they, and I see if they did not mention worry for your listing program. Is there a requirement when you're talking to someone that's a potential seller for you to mention our worry for your listing program? And if you don't, we're going to have a conversation because you did not do your job and provide the value that you could provide to that clientele. We, have, we, have done, we, we implemented this about 30, 45 days ago. When I say all in, I'm a marketing team put together a folder of all the stuff that we've done so far around worry-free listing. We have like 30 videos that we've done. We've got 12 different flyers we've put together. Everything is on this one initiative. Obsessive, go all in. We have people calling our office already asking about, hey, what's this worry-free thing? because it's everywhere. Um, so your agents need to talk about it on their calls and presentations. Have you heard about this? Um, it, it creates ownership. And I think it's important that you help them understand what this value is. And just like you would sell it to a buyer or seller, I think we undersell things to our agents. We don't create that buy-in of how that's going to move the needle for their business and how that's gonna help them accomplish their big why. Well, this package, we developed it so you can accomplish that why. That makes sense? Um, so here's just some examples, um, emails that we sent. When I say everything is around one thing, every email that we sent, are, so market updates, you can say, well, that's a market update. That's not about appointments met. You would be wrong. Yes, I gave stats and data, but guess what I talked about? How that affects homeowners and why you should list your home now. 
Everything was around why it's a good time to sell your property because that was our singular focus. Um, we emailed over 40,000 people in our database. Uh, we, these open rates went through the roof, 58%, 65%. So you do the math on how many people are getting this message of these programs of this value. And we email at least once a week. Um, we're not as uh, tactile as Preston mentioned, and he only does it twice a week. I probably should track that data better. But if my red flag is my marketing tells me if open rates are below 35%, then I look at it. But if they're open rates like this, I just cut them loose. Keep sending them. All right, step number three, create a contest or a competition. I think real estate agents, it's, we understand that success is boring, right? I think in this room, we understand that. But that doesn't mean that agents want to be bored. Let's make it fun. Let's make it entertaining. Let's create a contest. Let's have a competition. So create clear contest rules around what these rules are. Um, we have our VA that Justin helped us hire do our flyer of what this I give them I type up bullet points of what the rules are they create a flyer it looks all pretty and now that's a flyer that we share it's around a contest guess what our contest was most appointments met we did team versus team so we did it for all month anyone else ran a contest for a whole month anyone ever done that a couple people what happens in the first week Daryl Well, that's his curling iron, I think. Yeah, no, it's my little uh, video scripts thing here, right? So used to him handing me something. Uh, no, we've done different contests, and I haven't just done contests for the agents. I've done contests for clients. Sure, right? but what happens in what happens when you roll out a new contest initiative? If you do it for a month's time, what happens after a week? It starts to die. Yeah, and it just it it dies, right? It doesn't start to. It just unless it, you got to keep marketing, and depends what its value is. Yep. Right. Because I, I do different valued things. So the more value it is, the more life it has. Sure. Less value, less life. So that's an interesting take. So value. There's two parts of value. Value to the agent, uh, meaning they can help sell more real estate. But also, what if you created cool contests and prizes for them and above and beyond if they have an above and beyond effort? Right. So as an example, we created it was so we have. Um, we call them squads, but it's just groups of agents that are five to eight agents. And there's a squad leader that's responsible. So we did squad versus squad. Um, it's kind of how we did the contest and the winning squad got a trip with me and my wife, my beautiful wife at our lake house um, on us. They could stay the night there. We're going to take them out on the lake, go to um, a lakeside restaurant and pool and just have a good time. Right. We also kept individual winners. So what if y'all went on individual and my team doesn't do well, but I do well. Well, we bought them tickets to an event, um, one of my favorite events of the year, a build event that's in um, Texas. Um, and it's great for them to get around those types of events because it's different content than like this, right? Um, and so now I incentivize them to continue their growing path. And it just, it really kept the, the momentum going. And part of what I'll share with you is a Monday Mayhem document. Um, a lot of that that I broke down, I think it's nine, 10 steps that I found that really helps with contest. Um, you have to keep the excitement. So it loses excitement. It loses energy. Um, and I think that's on us as leaders. It's not up to the agents to remember it. We have to remind them. And so what if we, every single day, we give them an update of the scorecard? Give them a scoreboard. They got to keep score. In addition to that, what if, um, let's say that Adam hadn't been participating in, in there and he's like, ah, this contest is stupid. It's not for me. And then all of a sudden he gets one today, three days into it. I'm going to highlight Adam. I'm going to shout them out in our chat group. I'm going to shout them out in our Slack channel, our Facebook group, whatever it is. 
to recognize him for doing the behavior and reward him for what we want. Makes all the difference in the world. We continually gain momentum in this contest. And so I think that there's a, there's a lot of ways. If you say contests don't work, my, my positioning on that is because you're not doing them right. Um, you want to have some fun with it. Uh, I did this one time and I'm going to do it again. Is I did it. Anyone ever play dodgeball when you're in elementary school? Like dodgeball or kickball or anything? Well, I found team leaders or team captains that were deserving most activity, most closings, whatever it was that was around an initiative. I picked them as team, cap team captains. We went playground style. Pick who you want on your team. What do you think that does for a culture and organization? Nobody wants to be picked last. Talk about coach them up or coach them out. What does that tell to the room? And I did nothing. I just facilitated. Talk about activity going through the roof for the people that were picked in the bottom 10%. It was, it was amazing. Um, so I believe proximity is power. Your average of the five people you hang around. We've all heard that, right? We've heard it over and over and over, but there's a reason that it's a staple because it's true, right? So what does a contest do? When people come in, their excitement, there's energy. It increases that peer-to-peer -peer accountability. How many of you as leaders love holding your agents accountable and love being the micromanager and that oppressive thumb and saying, do more, do more, do more? Anybody like that? Maybe Kobe. Yeah, there we go. Kobe, of course. <laughs> but, but the point is, what if agents inspired and motivated and held each other accountable? What if that was an environment that you could create? I think we're all after that. With a contest and an initiative where everyone is not only on the same boat, but also rowing in the same direction towards the same mission. And they are challenging each other. They're holding each other accountable. They are calling each other out on their bullshit. Because you're on my team, we're out to win. I'm not going to let you get away with your excuse of you got you to leave at two o'clock. No, you haven't set an appointment yet. You got to stay here, right? It, I just saw the elevation of them doing that without me having to be involved. Agents were talking a little smack to each other. It was a fun competition, right? Rising tide rises all ships. So at the end of the last, uh, last month, we had a team meeting and I went off agenda, right? And I just kind of uh, sat down and I said, I don't even need a whiteboard. I don't need nothing. I just want to talk about, here's the results that we had last month. And I broke down all the results that we had. Number one in CSU, double our appointments met, all of that. And I said, I'm just super proud of all of you guys. Like, you guys did amazing. Like, just sit back and soak it in for a minute. Just reflect. I said, I'm curious. Um, we had this contest that we were doing. Right by show of hands, how many of you worked harder because of that contest last month? Everyone's hand went up. I said, Awesome. How many of you had better results than a typical month last month? Everyone's hands went up. Awesome. I love it. Now, by show of hands, who regrets that extra work and effort they put in last month? Nobody? One more question for you. Raise your hand if you're proud of yourself for the accomplishments that you had last month. All the hands went up. And it was like a, a goosebump moment, culture building, like, wow, look what we did together. But it was self-discovery, right, of the contest that we did. So if you want to get inspiration in your team, highly recommend doing contests. Um, and so I asked their agents the takeaways from the competition. Um, they love the constant reminders of the focus. Narrowed in tunnel vision. Someone would bring up a question that had nothing to do with appointments met. We respectfully said, we're not focused on that right now. We're doing this. Someone said, well, what about this script? We're not doing that right now. This is the script we're doing. Re like relentless. But they appreciated it. They didn't at the time. After they saw the results, they did. Um, every role play was around the same thing. They liked that, that consistency. Um, they loved the competition. 
Um, and the most important thing was that we developed a player scoreboard. Again, 40X, four disciplines of execution. There's a different and difference in a coach's scoreboard and a player scoreboard. Your agents have a scoreboard that they can check that they're keeping score of where they're at in the contest daily. Are you reminding them and putting that in front of their face so they know where they stand against their peers? They can see and recognize themselves for the amazing efforts they put in, or they can be aware of, oh shit, everyone else is doing it but me. You have to have a player scoreboard. Um, so this is the appointment set plan that we did. We did Monday Mayhem. Some of you may have heard of it, um, but that's where we set 171 appointments in four days. Um, I'll send all of that. I don't want to take time up with that today. Maybe at Q&A if you guys have questions. Um, but this is the pro success process um, that, that I shared. It's kind of similar to what we talked about, but it's super in-depth. I wrote paragraphs on each one on how to get the most of it. We'll send that out with you guys. Um, and what we found was the fortunes in the follow-up talked about, I changed my language from, I talked earlier, Preston mentioned it too. I don't talk leads in my organization. I talk opportunities. And so one of the things that I found as a whole in our database was our follow-ups. Our follow-up game is weak. Anyone else experiencing that in their business? Follow-up game is not there, non-existent for their agents. So this script right here that I will send out is a lifesaver. Um, it's not mine. I stole it from Coach Bill Pipes. Um, I made a few minor tweaks but it is absolute pure gold, especially if you add what I'm gonna to go to the next slide with the actual meat of the value. But how many agents call to follow up and they don't know what to say? I think that agents don't follow up because they don't know what the hell to say. I've called them three times in the last month. What do you want me to tell them? Hey, I haven't found you a property yet. What if we provided clear direction that was in alignment with our contest? that had a clear scripting, that they role-played so they were comfortable. They weren't uncomfortable. They knew exactly what to say. They knew how to say it, and they've already practiced it. That resulted probably, I have to check, but around, last time I checked, it was 130 of the 171 appointments were from follow-ups. My definition of follow-up in my organization is we already had a valid conversation with them previously, and they said they were interested in buying and selling real estate, but we did not set an appointment. So we were able to push, move the needle forward in those follow-ups by following the script. Um, and I'll send this out too. This is kind of the meat of the value of that script of what exact initiatives we did and what dialogues that we use of the value, whether it was around interest rates, it was around off-market properties, around why now is a good time to sell. Um, just a lot of different value in there that was super specific that we created plug and play for the agents. There's no more guesswork. There's no more, hey, just do it somewhere close to this. No, this is exactly what you say, exactly how you say it. Made a massive, massive difference. So we have a lot of high caliber leaders in this room. Um, I'm curious by show of hands. I'd like to see you, if, if you are a leader that wants your agents to be committed, excited, engaged, you want to see their activity increase, you want to see them become the best version of themselves. You want to see them accomplish their goals, their hopes, their dreams, and their desires. If that's you, raise your hand. Is that what you guys want for your agents? Yeah. Thought so. Got some bad news. None of that will happen. None of it will happen unless you do step four. You have to lead from the front. You cannot expect them to do something you're not willing to do yourself. Whatever you want for your agents, you must do it yourself first. The speed of the leader determines the pace of the pack. Being a leader doesn't mean sitting, your, sitting back, kicking up your legs on the desk, 
counting money, cracking the whip. That's not what leaders do. That's not what people who change the world do. That's not people who raise their hand for they want what they want for their agents. That's not what they do. You got to put in the work. Let me give you a real life example. Why is everyone in this room here today? Every single one of you are in this room today because of one person. Probably the person that demonstrates the best leadership that I've ever seen in the planet. John Sheplak. Anyone doubt his leadership capabilities? If he said, hey, there's a, a brick wall over there, let's go run through it. Everybody would run through it with him, right? Because of his leadership capabilities. But we're looking here, we're saying, how come our agents aren't doing more? When we're not looking in the mirror and saying, how come we're not doing more? How come, are you the best version of yourself? Are you striving to be the best version of you? I'm a slow learner. I've been in a lot of these rooms. I've heard John Cheplak say this multiple times and just recently clicked for me. He says, I do the same thing that you do. I just, and John, correct me if I'm wrong, but John's the team leader, we're the agents. If John was not the caliber of leader that he is, would we be as inspired and motivated to do the things that we do for our businesses? But then we expect our agents to do it when we're not being John Cheplak level of leader. Now you got to have your own spin on. I'm not saying you got to go get ripped and wear muscle shirts and all that. Right. But <laughs> Hey, let up on the muscle shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got a comedian in the group, <laughs> but do you guys get the point? Like sometimes we got, instead of just pointing the finger, Mm. accept personal responsibility mm, 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 mm. be that inspiration that john cheplak is for you be that person for your team so as i was going down this rabbit hole of how can i become a better leader it just it got me thinking of a lot of things that i made mistakes on as a leader leadership's tough um so i'm gonna be transparent with you guys on a couple of mistakes that i made so hopefully you guys can learn from it and not make the same mistakes i did one of the most difficult, difficult things for me, I have, a, I, have a, I have a gift of being able to see potential in other people. I'm a pretty intense guy. I'm pretty direct speaking, um, but I have a massive heart and I just want, I want what's best for everyone. And I have a gift of sitting down with someone and I can see the version of themselves that they can become. And I want it so badly for them that sometimes I push them way more than they want to be pushed just because they have that massive potential and I think that I can help them get there, that doesn't mean that's where they want to go. And so it's really difficult for me to see those people with that potential that don't utilize it. So it reminds me of, speaking of good leaders, you guys have heard this quote, I'm paraphrasing here. I realize it is not my job as a leader to force them to be successful. It is my job to facilitate the environment for the agents to make a choice if they want to be successful or not. Massive, massive difference. Sounds very, very simple, but it's so complex, so complex. As an analogy, let's say I had a string right here on the table. I can't push the string off the table. It doesn't work that way, right? Like I, you just can't push it. You have to pull it, right? You can't push people. You have to lead from the front. So your job as a leader is to bring awareness and self-discovery to people, not to push them to do more, to be more. Go back and watch Kobe's presentation. It's brilliant on how to facilitate that self-discovery. 
Um, another thing that I struggle with is because I see that potential because it comes from a great place, but it just, sometimes it, I just can't help it. It frustrates me. Like, I just want to shake them. Um, like you could do so much and it turns into judgment. Cause I'm like, why aren't you doing more? And John Chep like helps me so much with this. Uh, like there's calls where this is all we talk about is vent, and he's like, huh? Are you curious? Or are you judging? I'm like, damn it. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Right. Um, but it's so crazy that we have to stay out of judgment. We have to be curious. Why aren't they wanting this thing and help themselves discover more? It's their journey, not, not yours. I think most great leaders see potentials in others that they don't see in themselves. I think that's a gift of great leaders is that you're able to, maybe you're not born with it, but you, you're able to, it's like a learned trait that you, it's just something that you, you, you do. Um, and so I believe it's our responsibility as leaders to show them possible, show them, show them what is possible. Not by talking the talk, by walking the walk, by actually doing it, by becoming the best version of yourself. As an example, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, this is one of my good friends. Um, his name's Adam Bailey. Um, he's my sponsor in the EXP. He's my business partner. He's helped me grow my business for the last five years, five and a half years. Um, and Adam shared his journey of buying a lake house. He shared his struggles. He shared um, all kinds of praise going through a divorce, just all kinds of personal struggles that he's having. And um, as his good friend, I was just there for him to help. And then he, he got, got out of that rut and he shared, he said, I'm going to buy a lake house for me and my son. I'm going to buy a boat. We're going to go and we're going to have vacation. I'm going to, I'm going to give my son the stuff that I never had when I was a kid. I'm like, man, that sounds awesome. So it inspired me because of Adam Bailey showing me the path as a leader in my life. This is my beautiful lake house that me and my family get to go to, to spend our time. You rich. I'm just a great negotiator. <laughs> Here's a picture of me and my beautiful wife. Everything happens for a reason, right? So if it weren't for Adam Bailey, not only would we not have this house, me and my wife probably wouldn't be married. We've been together 16 years. When I tell my story, I call her my wife. We just haven't gotten married, right? Um, I hope it's 16. Can we cut this out, Tim, in case I'm wrong? <laughs> Somewhere around. It's been a long time. Um, but we've just been married two years. And we got married during COVID. And so she had this big elaborate wedding planned. And we're going to do this. And the wedding venues were backed up and this and that. And it just wasn't working. So we were going to cancel it. We said, you know what? We've got a beautiful lake house overlooking 180 degree of Lake of the Ozarks. Why don't we just get married on the back deck looking over the water? And I share that story with you to share, to tell you, because sometimes as leaders, I know I struggled with this. I have imposter syndrome bad. Like I, I'm a humble guy. I come from a graduating class of 30 kids. My first job was making $20 a day, stacking slabs at a sawmill. Like when I got into real estate, I was two months behind on my electric bill. Um, I paid more money in taxes my first year in real estate than I ever made in my life. I come from very, very humble beginnings. So I just struggle like I'm amazed I'm even in this room, much less being able to share with you guys. Like it's just, it's just, I, I struggle with that part. And so because of that, and because I'm in a small town, I didn't even share with anyone I was looking at a lake house. I didn't tell anyone I was scared what they would say, scared what they would judge, scared what my own team would think. Oh, Matt's making too much money. So I didn't tell anyone for six months, kept it quiet. Didn't even get to really enjoy it. Like, cause as a team leader, I can't just disappear and not tell everyone where I'm at, right? But then I got to thinking about Adam Bailey and him sharing his journey and how he cleared the path for me to be able to buy that lake house. Quick side note, my uh, daughter, she's getting ready to turn 11 this coming week. 
um, my oldest daughter, but she was nine at the time. I had her on FaceTime when I walked into this house. Um, I found an off-market expired from three years ago because I was not about to pay the price, COVID prices. Um, so that's how I got a beautiful house. I got it $200,000 under market value. Um, anyway, um, walked in, I was on FaceTime and those windows that you saw were are overlooking 180 degree uh, view of the lake. And so she walked in, she's or I walked in on the camera and I'm like, oh, wow, look. She's like, wow, daddy, looks like the ocean. Instantly, all right, we gotta buy this place. I need more of those moments with my kids, right? Um, but none of that would be possible if Adam hadn't showed me the path and cleared that for me as the leader in my life. Someone I looked up to, show me what's possible. So I started sharing with others. And as soon as I did, it unlocked massive opportunities. And I got to witness other people that I care about accomplish some of their goals and some of their dreams because I was able to show them the path, create a ripple effect. Here's an agent on my team. Um, so John and Lauren are both on the team. Lauren's been on the team for about five years. I told a brief part of her story to someone at dinner last night. Uh, maybe it was earlier today in the hall, talking about how OG agents that have been at other companies appreciate your company way more because they've seen what it's like on the dark side. She's one of those people for me. When she came to the team, I had to convince her to stay in real estate. She was done with it. She wasn't gonna make it. Lauren is consistently a top producer on my team. She came to me in the moments of whenever she was struggling and she was, I had to convince her to stay in real estate. I really think that how I convinced her was I had a Cheplak conversation with her. I said, forget the money, forget the everything. Why do you want to sell real estate? What do you really want out of this? She said, well, I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck. I said, awesome. Once you get past that, what's next? Well, my husband loves to fish. And I've always had a dream of living at the Lake of the Ozarks. So I would love to move closer so that my husband can pursue his dream and he doesn't have to carry the burden for our family anymore. This is them in front of their house, Lake of the Ozarks, beautiful home. She's running my Lake of the Ozarks office. Her husband has participated in four amateur fishing tournaments this month. He's won two of them. They're living their dream. I don't think any of that would have happened if I hadn't showed them the path. So originally I thought it would be selfish of me to share my success, but then I realized it's selfish not to. You gotta show the path to other people. Oh God, this next picture is embarrassing, don't look. Um, that person on the left, I don't even know who he is. But talk about leading by example. I did have done this program called 75 hard four times. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. it's a mental toughness challenge, physical challenge. Um, pretty, pretty intense, but not only has that led, there's more people. I'll just say this. I've done it four times. And the reason I did it the fourth time is because there's so much pressure on me from the bottom up from my organization of people doing 75 hard over and over and over that I got to keep going. There's more people on my team that have done 75 hard than more that haven't. You tell me that I, talk about the season reason lifetime if they're going to be that if that picture demonstrates what they are after 75 hard versus before on the outside imagine who they are on the inside what is their life going to look like talk about impacting others lives as a leader it's massive when i look at this picture um i see a lot there's just a lot that that goes through me just going back and reflecting through this journey um part of going back to great leaders in my life 
there's, there's a, I'm privileged to have a lot of great leaders in my life. Um, share a quick story is that when I grew up in my small town, my dad lived five minutes away from me as a kid. From the time I can remember being old enough to remember, so six, seven, I saw my dad less than five times. Every time I saw him, he was at the bar. I remember one time specifically, I begged my mom to take me to the bar so I could go spend time with my dad. Well, I ended up driving him home after he closed the bar down. He said, I was 12 years old. Son, you're gonna have to drive me home. If you get pulled over, just tell the cop, would you rather a 12 year old drive or a drunk? I'm like, all right, dad, let's go. So I come from, like, I'm sensitive to that. And I'm fortunate for that for a couple of reasons because because of that experience, I think I am the father I am today because of that. But I share that with you because of being in rooms like this, because being around leaders that I'm around, I didn't have a huge problem with alcohol, but it definitely was a crutch for me. Um, I wasn't an alcoholic per se, but I definitely overextended what I should. But because of that man back there in this environment, I have not drank since August of last year. There's other people in my organization that have quit drinking. Show them the path. It's not just about the pretty lake house. It's about who you are as a person. All right, let's go back to, let's recap. Um, I told you I'd be tactical. Um, so number one, you want to double your appointments, uh, listing appointments met month over month, narrow your focus, find one thing, whatever, it doesn't have to be appointments, say it's um, agreement signs, say it's conversations, whatever that initiative is, narrow your focus and everything is around one metric. Number two, develop and package a unique selling proposition around that package. It has to be positioned and packaged as a package, like as an example, and you got to be obsessed with it, guys, you got to be crazy obsessed with it. Like, make, think about what would make sense on a hat or a t-shirt. And like, go crazy with it, create a package around it, and then make sure that it is, it operates on the WIFM principle, what's in it for them. Number three, create a contest or competition, have fun with it, get them excited, create buy-in. Number four, without, without this one, the rest of them don't matter. If you don't demonstrate the leadership necessary, um, the rest of those aren't going to work. It's just, it's just things on a paper. So I'm also going to, again, I believe in abundance. So I'm going to share this. And I went through some of these things quickly, um, but there's going to be a package that's sent out with these recordings that I'm going to get over to Tim that includes worry-free listing program documents, our appointment setting dialogue script, um, our Monday mayhem schedule, our scripts, and our success process of how we set 171 appointments in four days. Um, and by the way, if anyone has questions on how we did that, um, you can ask me here. You can catch me afterwards. I'm happy to break any of that down. And so I was thinking maybe some other team leaders struggle like I did for a year. So as an example, EOS, Entrepreneur Operating System, we, we've been running that for a little bit. And one of the things that we struggled with was I, I believe in facilitating an environment to try to grow other leaders. And so we were talking about our three uniques. And I asked my leadership team, what makes us unique? And this happened three quarters in a row. And I tried to kind of move the conversation where it needed to and just never got the result desired outcome that I was hoping for. The best we came up with was, well, we sell more than anyone else. We have integrity. Like all those are great. Does that really make us unique? Are you saying there's no one else that sells a lot of real estate? Are you saying there's no one else that operates in integrity? That doesn't make us unique. We got to go deeper. And so 
we just did a brainstorming session and I'll share those with you. Uh, if you put them up on the screen, this is my brain dump of what I think you guys could use to create unique selling propositions. Where if your listing program we went over for sale by owners or something in your market, what about this? Operate in a, uh, we offer a 1% FISBO program. Why did that FISBO not list with you to begin with? Commission. Commission. What if they could sell it for 1%? Does that make it easier to get in the door? Yes. Of course, you have to be strategic with these things. This gets you in the door. And that 1% is if, um, say you do an open house and that, that open house sells that property, which is rare. Then you'll do it for 1%. But they also sign a listing agreement. And whenever you get you bring a different buyer in, it's full package. It's just for this one program. Get creative. Buyer's Advantage program, exclusive off-market properties, um, open houses on FISBOs. We have crushed it with that in the past. Um, when we struggle with lead generation with different things, we own neighborhoods. Signs everywhere. Um, just go crazy. Door knock. It gives you an opportunity. You don't have to have the listing to do the open house. Someone asked a question yesterday. I think it may have been Daryl. Um, Say, so what do you do for open houses to Katrina? Uh, what do you do for open houses if you don't have enough listings? Go find someone else that has a great listing in a great neighborhood and ask them if you can host an open house to bring them buyers to their listing. Like, go. the point of the open house is to gather leads, period. Right? So it doesn't have to be your listing. They're not going to buy that property anyway. Very rare. Um, flexible commissions, communication guarantee. This is a big one. What's the number one uh, complaint about real estate agents? Lack of communication. What if you can create a document? So it's in a package. Every time you sit down with a buyer or seller, your agents go over to communication guarantee. How, Kobe, how would you like to be communicated with? But daily, weekly, monthly, and in what context? Awesome. Cool. We'll go ahead and sign that together. I'll make sure I do that with you. If, if not, we'll consider this contract null and void. Gets rid of that objection completely. And it helps hold your agents accountable, actually communicate and follow up appropriately, right? Otherwise, they lose the business. Uh, maximum marketing guarantee. I guarantee you no one is going to spend more marketing dollars, more effort, and we're going to market your house better than anyone else. Love it or leave it guarantee. Buyers are hesitant. We have a program that if you don't love your house, you want to sell it in the next six months, guess what? We'll sell it for free. But how well are you marketing it? How many people in your database in your neighborhood know it? How, much, how well are your agents selling it to the people on the phone? And you guys can read the rest. You get the point. Um, I just thought that that would be helpful for you guys if, uh, if you're looking for some unique selling propositions because it's sometimes... Um, I, I see people struggle articulating the value they bring. All right, I'm gonna close it out with this. You guys heard of a Chinese bamboo tree? I think it's a great story um, for success, for life, for real estate. You guys can use this for your agents and I think it's relevant for, um, for this audience too. A Chinese bamboo tree requires you to water it almost daily. You have to water it almost daily. For the first year, you water it every single day. You come up to the plant, watered every single day. Absolutely no visible signs of activity, no growth. You got watered every day. Year two, there's some growth, but it's beneath the soil. No one can see it yet, but you still got watered every single day. Year three and four, there's still nothing above the soil, but you have to water it every single day. Then something magic happens. Year five, bamboo grows 80 feet in six weeks. Mm -hmm. That's my definition of overnight success. They didn't see the watering that it took for those five years. They just saw the bamboo tree grow that quick in six weeks. You know what else is powerful about this story? Bamboo is one of the most strongest, it's one of the nature's strongest materials. There are studies that say that it's stronger than steel. Hmm. 
how does it become that strong? All that work that happens under the soil before you see the result. All of that effort for those five years create the strongest known material to man, a bamboo tree. They use it to create roads, build houses, bridge, can support loads as heavy as four tons. So don't forget to water your tree daily. That's all I got. Woo!